Hello, hi, hey, how are ya? Justin here, and welcome to episode 42 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. Our guest this week was Chad Gauze. Chad is the owner and executive chef of two amazing restaurants in the Baltimore area, The Food Market and La Food Marquetta. This was a treat for the three of us. This was really, really cool as this was our first time doing the podcast on location. And this also included a private dining experience, which was really, really, really cool. So we went, the three of us went to the food market. We met Chad in the basement of the food market where they actually have this private dining room, this private dining experience. He had already had four, a table set for four, which was really cool. And to the right of that, we were able to set up all of our road gear. Shout out to road. We love you. Uh, which was really easy to do for us to actually make it super portable and go and set up on location. We set up, we did the podcast. We all felt great afterwards. We felt very inspired. Chad is a highly, highly, highly quotable dude with great one-liners and great stories that I think everybody will be able to take and somehow adopt that into their their day-to-day, use that in their life. Uh, I saw myself using one of his metaphors the next morning. So that was super cool. And I think that those nuggets are really the treats that you'll get out of this podcast on top of a wonderful story. So to go back a bit, I want to preface the podcast by letting you know that, hey, this is a bustling business. It's also, we were right in the middle of food week, of restaurant week rather. And in the middle of that, you know, it's going to be busy. There's going to be some sound, some noise going on of the typical hustle and bustle of an amazing restaurant. So you will hear some of the stuff going down. It was great. It was, it was a really good learning experience for us of how you just, hey, something happens and you just keep rolling with it because it is, of course, no big deal. We're in the middle of the conversation. We just keep it rolling, right? I really believe that for anyone who hears this, no matter what kind of business you're involved in, if you're a business owner or you're just a part of a business as a, as a coworker, a worker, there's so much value in this episode. And really what you'll find is it's, it's so wonderful how Chad, the way he runs his business, um, how he approaches his work, and most importantly, how he treats his coworkers. Because he, he broke down for me a lot of the maybe old school ideas of this like, yes, chef, you know, very like old school vibe of being a chef and kind of being this like domineering uh, figure in the kitchen. And that's not how Chad looks at it. And for me, that was extremely refreshing and just super cool. Chad, Chad was, Chad was awesome. He went above and beyond for all of us. He, uh, when we came in, everything was good to go. We set up, we had the podcast, the podcast went down and afterwards he opened up his menu, the full menu, not just like the restaurant week menu, but the full menu. Matt Jordan and I then picked, I think we picked two items each. So I think we had six things. We all then ended up sharing them. You will find this in the Facebook group. If you go and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants, we will post pictures this week of our dining experience, which was really incredible to say the least. So if you're in the Baltimore area, all three of us would highly suggest that you go try the food market or La Food Marquetta or better yet, try both. Why not? 
The other thing I want to share with you is our sponsor this week, and our sponsor is Rode Mike. I'm currently using the Rode NT USB microphone to record this introduction. Uh, we use, I think we use the Procaster microphones, if I'm not mistaken, when we are recording, and it was super cool. We were able to take them with us on the go and go do these podcasts remote, which was cool. An experience that I think all three of us all left feeling like, whoa, we need to do this more often because this was freaking great. So you can check out all of Road, I think all their socials is Road Mike slash Road Mike. You can also go check out the whole line of everything they have to offer at road.com. That's R O D E.com. Um, yeah, this podcast, this podcast was awesome. And I really felt super inspired when I left. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm just really excited to grow this new friendship with Chad and go try the rest of the entire menu at both La Food Marquetta and The Food Market. I'm not going to say without further ado, so I already said it, but whatever. Here it comes, in your ear holes, get ready, episode 42 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast with the man, owner, and executive chef, Chad Gauze. So we're going to retire the Jingle Bells tonight. Until next it's weekend. Been, it's been two or three weeks now with the motherfucking Jingle Bells. I just took my Christmas tree down. Christmas is over. It's the new year. We're beyond New Year's Eve, the whole thing. Let's just wait on the Jingle Bells. All right, Jordan? Hey, Chad. Hey. Chef. Yes, sir. All right. So we are uh, at the Food Market, which is a phenomenal restaurant here in Hamden, Baltimore. Uh, and our guest tonight is Chad Gauss, who is the owner and chef of Gauss. Oh, Chad. What did I say? Chad Gauss. Chad. Some say Gauss, but it's, it's like Gauss. when I did oh, Daniel. Okay, I just know. no big deal. You can say it wrong. Right. Years cool. of friendships. We sit on other names. Yeah, I say people's names all, wrong all the time. So Chad Gauss, to yes, be sir. to be correct, um, owner and chef of the food market and La Food Marquetta, which is uh, a restaurant that's actually closer to where I live, a little bit for about fifteen minute drive from here. Um, both of which I've dined at countless times over the past. How, I mean, how long has the food market been here? So this is our uh, we're approaching our sixth year. So I definitely ate here within the first year, and then food market or La Food Marquetta has been around since it's about a year and a half at this point. So I was there within like the first month that Probably you guys the first opened. week. Absolutely, yeah, you were there sure. early. I was there early. So um, I've eaten a lot of your food, a lot yes, of your sir. recipes, yep. and I've never had <clears throat> a bad meal ever. I've had some great meals here. Your restaurants are great because um, I love the vibe, the atmosphere. I love that it, there's life here all the time. There's always people. There's always energy. Your staff is great. And we were talking a little bit about that. We can dig into your philosophies behind how you run everything and how things kind of get going. But to kick it off, um, you know, our listeners are from all over the world. So they're not just local Baltimore, Maryland people. These, these listeners are from all over the world. Um, from how many countries last we checked? I think over 140 have downloaded this thing. Amazing. So it's, I mean, it is worldwide. So um, if you're able just to sort of give a brief intro to who you are, what you're passionate about, and what you envision this, the, these restaurants as for you. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of said it. It's like, you love doing the business stuff, but the food is where you get to fucking 
be in the booth, so to speak. Absolutely. So, I mean, so, so, so how did, so, how did this, what is this? Who are you? So my background, long story short is I started as a bus boy when I was 14 years old, basically just to stay fly in high school. I lived in a neighborhood where it was very mixed. It was the haves and the have nots. And I fell right in between. So I was a have not. Okay. And with that being said, I wanted every pair of Jordans that were ever released. And I wanted, you know, all, uh, all the nice clothes and, always being kind of short and fat and overweight and makes you have to uh, represent yourself uh, to the fullest, you know, with your, with your personal style. So I had to start really early working and, you know, from there I just kept transferring to the next restaurant that had, that just paid better until I finally got to the point where I realized that it was really my calling to be honest with you I, I knew that being a chef was my direction in life because i grew up with a very creative family and a lot of thrift store shopping and repurposing things and making things better and being unique and figuring out uses and world war ii vet grandfathers where you can't waste a spoon of peanut butter so it's like all the things that it takes to be a chef it's just um my father was a military guy when i was young i used to take his boots off of him when he came in from work so like you learn organizations the key to success and just being polished and being up the par and down the earth and honest and loving and caring and you know stubborn and stern and strong and all that stuff at the same time oh by the way just so you know we're, we're gonna look at each other and put our hands up to speak and make little like eye communication with each other that's just to like denote certain timestamps we want to mark down of yeah, good shit that it. you say. Okay. Just so you okay. know. Okay, my bad. Yeah. And don't ever let us break your flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, yeah if we throw a okay, finger up, don't don't try okay, to like cool, throw it to us. You just keep it going. Sorry. sorry. We should have okay, no, just keep it going. All good. Did you so, get that timestamp? Okay, cool. So, I, I mean. But watching you, man, it is like you're a hip-hop artist right now. Yeah, that's definitely my thing. So, I mean, I grew up like in my house. My brother was a DJ. I mean, early on, we, you know, we used to cut school and we'd go back to my house and there'd be friggin' people chain smoking cigarettes and weed and drinking in the middle of the afternoon, just partying, having chicks come to our house and all this great stuff, you know? And it was no wonder you became a chef. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And to be honest with you, like part of being a chef to me is like being able to express yourself. And I think the quickest way to somebody's, uh, you know, heart is through their stomach, you know? And my goal is just to see people smile, whatever the situation is. And food just seems a way to be a pleaser. And I've always kind of tended to want to be, the person that makes people happy and only to be around, you know, good times. I'm definitely a good time person. I can handle all the hard times, but I really live for the good times. It seems that way. I always see you interacting with your staff with smiles on your face. Mm -hmm. You know, I always see you interacting with the people that are in the restaurant, dining here, your customers. Um, And that's something I noticed about you really early on in meeting you was just that you have a, you have a personality that people are drawn towards and it's just because I think you are genuinely down to like listen and figure out how you can make people have a good time. That's the God's honest truth and to be honest with you, I think that um, I'm very adaptive. I feel that I'm, I'm always myself but I, you know, I tend to just see where I fit in the best in situations and I feel I can bring the best out of other people and, and myself in the, in the meantime. Well, that's right. So how did you, was, was cooking a part of your family? Did you, with your mom or dad or so, grandparents? Yeah. So like, I mean, everybody always says their grandmother's the reason why they cook. And, and to some degree, 
if your grandmother's not the reason and you're probably born in the 80s or later or 90s or later because back in the day women stayed home they cooked they cleaned they took care of stuff you know and and as time goes on you know they they started coming up with microwave meals and all these different things so unless your mom really loves food the chances are your grandmother's a better cook because she had less resources you have to do more from scratch you know so my grandmother was a very big influence early on on my father's side. And in hindsight, when I look back and I think it's like the stuff that we were eating for holidays and so on, it was just unbelievable. When I look back and I'm thinking like I was a kid and I loved black olives and I loved blue cheese and I loved prosciutto and we're not even Italian. It was just like the kind of food that was just around all the time for holidays. And my grandmother was a freak about the table had to be completely set and she had to like invite people to come and eat and she would get out her best china and we'd make cakes and cookies and I still make the same cookies with my children, you know, with the icing for the holidays and all those great things. And I mean, and then on the other side, my, my grandfather on the other side, the World War II vet, he was so cheap, I wasn't even allowed to order orange juice in a restaurant because it was $3 for a carton rather than for a glass. So I had to, you know, make enough money to where I could buy my own orange juice. So that was another really big selling point for me too, is that the business side of being a chef has always been very important to me as well, because I truly believe you work to live rather than live to work. So, mm -hmm. you know, my passion is definitely in food, but at the same rate, you know, when you have children and other interests, I mean, I love the bass fish. I love, I love just walking around a store and just like taking it easy, you know? So you have to have that free time. That's important as well. Yeah, for sure. And then real quick to get back to uh, family and food. Please. I, I love my mother to death. She means the world to me. Her name is Peaky. She has, she has about four or five good dishes, and the rest of her dishes were horrible. So, like, to be a good cook, is, it, was, it was somewhat survival. You were eating things that you didn't really want to eat. And she was always really weird about throwing, like, just, like, one stupid ingredient in the food to make the dish no good. So, like, I'd say, Mom, make a lasagna. And she'd be like, okay, no problem. But then she'd serve it with, like, canned mushrooms or just something stupid that didn't make sense. So that's another reason why I started to cook, too, is like kind of like when you see somebody doing something you know you could do better, you kind of have to snatch the pan out of their hand at times. So, and, and did you essentially do that at home? Like, Did you become the one that was cooking the family meals in, in your household as a younger child? Obviously, I would imagine when you're home now with your kids yeah. and, your, and, and the wife, it's like you're cooking at home. I yeah, I think. cook now just because I'm, more, I'm just more efficient in the kitchen. Rather than somebody waste an hour in the kitchen, I can do it in 20 minutes. It just makes more sense for me to do it. Sure. But, um, you know, to be honest, I didn't really cook too much at home. I mean, really, I think a lot of it had to do with this job I had when I was 14. I was just about 15 years old. I was in the work-study program in my high school. And I, would, um, and I went for my first job that I was making $2.50 an hour under the table plus tips as a busboy and got a, a job at a place where I felt like I was elevating my career at the Bowman. It was the Bowman on Harford Road. And I walked in, and uh, the chef was a guy that no one really cared for. And at this point, I was still a front-of-the-house person. I was a busboy in the restaurant because I liked the tips. You know, being young, the fast cash just did more for me. And, you know, and, and, and like labor laws and so on didn't allow you to work until 11 o'clock at night in the kitchen and all these crazy things, so you couldn't be there late anyways. But when I walked in, I met this chef. No one seemed to like this chef. And I've always had something on my side where people that many people did not like tend to like me. I just, I just had a gift of, you know, being a friend of the enemy, I guess you could say. And uh, this guy... I mean, he, he, he never even realized the impression he made on me. If I saw him today, he wouldn't even recognize me. But I remember thinking, like, geez, like, this kitchen is full of, like, I mean, it was, it was literally riffraff. It looked like it was a probation office. And there was, like, a, a, you know, the executive chef who 
you know, he'd come out in the dining room and talk to doctors and lawyers and just seem so professional. He'd go in the back and yell at some dude with long hair about, you know, how he's working. And then, like, the hot chicks that were the servers would, like, head over heels for this guy. And I was like, gosh, it's like, who wouldn't want to be a chef? You know, you have, you have control of the thugs. You know, you have all the hot chicks that love you and you're talking to professionals. You know, like, I mean, what other mix do you get in life that's better than that? You know, as a 14-year-old kid... It's pretty amazing. So speaking of a young thug, when you're making this cash under the table, can you think of like the first big purchase as a teen? I mean, so I was always very like an honest kid. I was always really good at everything I did. But, you know, like I think that I just kind of like the spending money. Honestly, the biggest thing I probably purchased was probably like a New York strip steak or something stupid like that in a restaurant. I always like to eat. I've always been overweight. I've always ate you know, for satisfaction, you know, like, and I tend to go back to the overweight thing. It's like, I, I think I was born to eat. I really was like, I'm like grazing stock. It's like really what I'm for. And, um, I remember that I would go into restaurants and I would eat and I'd sit down in a restaurant. I remember the servers looking at me thinking like, you can't even afford to be here. And I would always leave like a 50% tip to let them know not to judge me. You know, like I always thought that was so crucial to me. I'd, I always ate at restaurants that were out of my league. I would just walk in as a normal kid, and sit down and order this stuffed lobster. And they looked at me like I was going to walk out on the bill. You Were know, you with was, anyone? Um, yeah, I would go with like different people, odds and friends. I always kind of paid for my friends to eat too. I, always, I was always kind of like almost like a Mother Teresa. Like I always looked out for everybody around me. If you gave me $10 and I was with Matt, I would say $5 was his. I was the kind of person I always just gave. I was a giver. Where does that come from? Well, probably my mother. My mother's the kind of person that just always like, you know, a nurturer, somebody that takes care of everybody. Yep. Beautiful. And also, I think it also comes from, I feel like everything comes so easy to me. Like nothing ever seems difficult to me. I feel like I've I found a way in life to simplify everything, whether if it's a big problem or something small or whatever it is, I feel that, I feel like it's no sweat to me. So for me, like you asked where I came from, I think it's easier for me to give away $5 than it is for someone else to earn $5. It's just so natural to me. It's interesting. I, I wonder... To um, there, there's this there's this interesting sort of catch twenty two sometimes with people that that have the talents where things come easy to them right mm-hmm. comes easy to you you can do it well how do you stay motivated if it's not something that you love because if like I'm sure there's things that you don't love that have also come really easy to you right mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah definitely but you know for me it's I I really generally avoid things that I don't love. I, I don't really deal with things that I don't love. If I'm not a hundred percent, you know, committed in the heart, you know, or, you know, or it's highly rewarding to the point to where it doesn't need heart, then I don't really even get involved to be honest with you. I avoid things that don't make me happy. Mm. There's too much out here and then, you know, and there's too little time and too much out here to even associate with things that don't make you feel fully content. Right. It's right. nice to have that kind of tunnel vision in this life. You know, if you know exactly what you want to do, you started young, you're 14, you figured, you figured out that food and the restaurant industry was your thing, well, then you just stick with it. And that's like for anyone, it doesn't matter how old you are, right? Whether you're 14 or you're like 44, if you figure it out, you should stick with it, especially if it's coming easy to you. And, and I guess there is the flip side of it is that you do want to struggle sometimes or you want to conquer the mountain sometimes and actually get up it. So I'm sure... If you, I guess it's like like with anyone. If you sat down long enough, and you wrote out everything. I'm sure there are things that you struggle with. There are, that everyone struggles with, right? In their own respective life or field, 
that could come tough, but maybe it's easier for you to either avoid that or it's easier for you to maneuver around it. If you got something, go for it. But I got a question too. No, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you said. It lost train of thought. Excuse me. Oh, uh, that's cool. Okay. Well, so along with that, mm-hmm. what you were mentioning to me is that you know you'll spend some part of your day, or, or there'll be times when you spend a lot of time cooking, mm-hmm. and that's where you're just like loving, loving, loving every little aspect of what you're doing, and you're in your own world, and everything else is tuned out. And then there's the business side, mm-hmm. which obviously you're doing really well with. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that's not if you could choose. If someone said for the rest of your life, if you could either cook or be at the desk, what uh, would you choose? Cook all day. Right. Uh, cooking is like being on vacation to me. It really is. It's, okay. There's nothing more natural in my life than cooking. So with that in mind, talking about struggles, was there a learning curve when it came time to expand to figure out how to grow the business to figure out what things are working what things aren't to be honest with you not at all because like one question that was like commonly asked to me is when i first opened the food market people would say how does it feel to own a restaurant you know and i said you know really as a chef if you don't take ownership you're not going to be successful regardless so a chef is the owner of the restaurant even if they're not financially you know into the business if you ask about another restaurant, you don't say, hey, who owns the place? You say, who's the chef, right? So you're, you're essentially the phantom owner. You know, it's all about what you do. You're the driving force of the business. Right. So, you know, I was kind of conditioned to be an owner. So, so going back a bit, when you were starting out in, in the business, uh, it, it seems like kind of knowing you from an outside perspective, knowing that you run these businesses, you're a natural leader. And getting to know you in this conversation, uh, it's natural for you to want to take care and nurture other people. Was it hard to not be in a position of leadership? Or was it that you were just hungry to get your hands dirty and, and learn the game? So that's a good question. So, but, but for me, anytime anything I've ever did, whether if it was Little League Baseball or a foot race, or if it was the restaurant business or playing dominoes i i always identify who i think is the best person in the moment and it's not a competition against them it's a competition against myself to be as good as the best so you know every situation i just identify who i feel is the strongest and i just i i want to say to myself that i'm as good with the knife as lupe is or whoever the person may be who i felt was who had the talent so that inspires you to level up absolutely Yes, when I see someone else good at something that I think is reachable to me, I want to be as good or better than, than them at it. Now, on the flip, is it, is it harder for you to let go if you're able to identify that, hey, maybe you can't spread yourself too thin or others have skills that, that you know, don't come as naturally to you? Well, I, I really think, I mean, that question just comes down to balance to me. You know, like, I mean, I'm not even interested in how much I can do better at something until I've already done everything, until I'm able to take on the responsibilities of becoming better at something. So, you know, it's, I think that's more of a schedule based thing. You know, like when you're, when you're ready to grow, you grow when you're ready. Right. And, and I guess it starts to introduce the, the idea of, of management as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're managing uh, a lot of people in, in one restaurant and now you have multiple restaurants. Uh, and, and that, in many ways, can be different than leadership. Uh, has that ever been an issue with you, or does that still feel natural in the sense that 
your job is to empower others to uh, to be their best selves for the betterment of the uh, the mission. So one thing I really always practice on in life is just getting everything as simplified as possible. And then, and really, for when it comes to leadership, it just comes to how do you relate to the person that you need to tell. And um, I read a book when I was a kid. Well, not even a kid, but in hindsight, I probably was a kid mentally. But um, it was called uh, Sailor's Team Prophecy, I think it was called. Have you guys read it? No. No. So one line, I mean, out of the whole book, I don't even remember anything. I just remember they were talking about children, and they said that everything can be told to somebody in a way that they can understand. And I truly believe that. So whatever whatever the message is, it just comes across how do you, how how much are you willing to make sure that the other person receives the message, and how do you go about making that happen? So a lot of times in the restaurant, when I, when I work with the busboy, uh, I teach them as it's a sport, like it's like basketball or football. It's you're either playing zone or man to man. When nothing's going on, you're playing zone. When it when the table's dirty, it's man to man. That's the most important thing, right? And then you just find ways to relate to people, and then you know you just kind of go from there. Another thing is for me too is that our company has I think it's probably like 120 employees right now. I don't view anybody as an employee because. To be honest with you, they don't, nobody works for me. They all work for their paycheck. You know, no one. We just provide an opportunity to earn. We don't, we don't hire people other than any reason for them to be paid and to help our business to be stronger. But um, out of all of it, I've learned that I manage the management. I don't manage the staff. So when I work with the staff, it's just about trying to make them better. Like, for instance, if I walk on the line and somebody is dicing a carrot wrong, I tell the chef that they're not dicing the carrots right, wrong, and then I show them how to dice a carrot properly. You know, it's not it's not like, hey, you're doing it wrong or, you know, any kind of like power tripping or anything like that. I, If anything, I think that uh, I'm very humble and I, I never admit to being good at really much just because I feel like you're only as good as your last meal. And food is mood. So even today, I could give you pretzels that you love and tomorrow they might not be as good because you're not in the mood for the same thing or mentally something's different or, you know, your chick breaks her friggin' heel on the way in and then she's upset or, you know, like there's so many reasons to not love what you're eating, right? Mm. It's like it's like food is a perfect storm. You know, it's there's only one reason to really be, you know, great when it comes to food. And it really comes down to how you feel about when you're eating it. There's times where if I wanted a Chick-fil-A sandwich, you could give me a, 12 course meal by friggin' the you know 10 Michelin chefs at the same time and it's not a Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A sandwich right or wrong you know when you when you know what of you course. want you know what you want of course but then back to the management real quick um I I kind of have this like little theory that I came up with and I made this up on my own and I'm really proud of this and it's um it's called responsibilities the old maid Has that ever happened to me? sure no. yeah I, I have that's all good yeah so, I mean I, yeah the old maid for sure. So, so, so the old maid's a card game, and um, responsibility is the old maid. That means anytime that I have responsibility, it's my job to find responsibility at home. Once I find responsibility at home, I keep my eye on that responsibility to make sure it never, ever comes back to me again. And if it does come back to me again, I just find it in another new home and just keep my eye on it all over again. So it starts a new process. So, so essentially... My businesses have a lot going on, but I'm pretty much bored in general because I don't hold any responsibility. My only responsibility is to manage responsibility. So anything I have to do twice, I find a new home for someone else to do it. So that's how I'm constantly ready to grow. I love that. I love that. That's, that's sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. and what what I'm impressed by is just you have these these I guess mental models of I've even I really I was really impressed uh, just 
the the way that you uh, kind of see the people that you know work quote for you or with you, and words matter, right? So you wouldn't say it, they work for when you. People tell me they work for me. Point. I swear, I, I, I'm not kidding. I put my hands over my ears. It's like, and I like, <laughs> I like, shut, I like put my lip, my fingers on their lips. I'm like, don't say that. Like, you're 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 giving me too much power. Nobody works for me. You work for your paycheck. You work to earn. You work to have a nicer home. You work for new bed sheets. You work for whatever it is that makes you content. Right, and words and words matter. So absolutely. the difference of that one word, and you're providing, uh, you know, you know, these men and women uh, a model uh, where they see themselves in in the organization at, at these restaurants. I don't and, let people call me chef. I don't let people call me boss. If somebody uses the word boss in my name, my last name is Goss. It rhymes with boss. People say Goss boss, and it's gross to me. I can't stand it. Like I hate. I don't want to be anybody's boss. I'm my my responsibilities are to be the manager. A manager is a hired position. A boss is power, okay? I am never, ever, ever going to take another person's power away from them. You know, like, we're all individually powerful, and we all individually work for, you know, for ourselves. It's Everyone's an entrepreneur in their own way. They're just, you're the entrepreneur of the salad station, and basically, I'm the landlord, and you're the renter. You know, the second you screw up, I got to talk about it, right? So it's, does that make sense to you guys? But is yeah. this all yeah. in the service of, trying to empower everyone that's working around you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like another thing I always say, I wrote a manifesto that has 13, 13 management styles by myself. And, uh, and one of them is people always say to me, they, they always say, why do you ask if that's cool? Like I'll say, hey, do you mind peeling these shrimp? Is that cool? And they say, why do you ask if it's cool? You're the boss. I say, in the first place, I'm not the boss. And secondly, if you are not happy with peeling these shrimp, I'm just going to have 10 pounds of fucked up shrimp. I don't want fucked up shrimp. So if you're not happy with the work that I'm making, that I'm asking you to do, I'm not going to get the results high enough to my expectations. So would you then in that scenario, if someone was, was honest enough to say, man, like, I don't think that's my thing, would you have... A deeper conversation with them. Okay, tell me what it is. Tell no, me. No, I'll is. find someone else to do it. And then I'll like, and then I'll, and I'll figure out what makes it, what makes it work for you. Because, like, uh, well, what know, I mean is, what would you do with that person? So, I mean, in the first place, there's always so much work. There's always something else to do. And there's always people around. You right. know, like, so there's plenty of people to do the work. And but there's a tipping point in your brain as a chef. I mean, I went through a phase at one point where like I felt like patting a hamburger was below me, or like you know, like putting mayonnaise in a side container by the two hundred at a time just seemed like. It just seems so below me. But then when you realize the farther you go is that even putting mayonnaise in a ramekin can be done to perfection and making a hamburger can be done to perfection. And then when you start chasing perfection, it's, it's a whole nother world. Then you don't mind doing things, you know, and then like everything you do, just like you just want everything you do to come out to be perfect. And then once you're at that stage, you know, it's really, it really doesn't matter anymore. You know, it, it's, the people that don't want to peel the shrimp, they're not ready to peel the shrimp. It's not that they don't want to do it. They're not ready to accept that they need to do everything they do perfect. And that's like what I do is I try to help people, you know, I, I really think that my, my, I was put on this earth to bring the best out of anyone that ever comes across me. I really do feel that way. Is this something that you wish someone would have done for you when you were growing up before, when you started in the, in the field and in the industry, working in restaurants? Did you want someone who was maybe similar to how you are as the leader or as the manager, as kind of the captain of the endeavor? And is that maybe why you decided, well, it's time for me to become a restaurateur because no one's doing it the way I want to do it? I mean, if you think old school chef style, right? Yeah. Yes, chef. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, like the, there's, there's very strict policies of, mm -hmm. of how you refer to the chef, how you speak to the chef, and you're trying to break down all of the barriers for I that now any of that. so that everyone's no, on a level I, playing I field. Stand, I, like, I wouldn't go to the dishwasher and say, yes, dishwasher. So why do you have to say yes, chef to me? I feel like it's like, 
I think that your food is not meant to be that serious. Food is just meant to taste good and, and to, to, you know, fill you up basically to make you, you know, satisfied. And, you know, it's, it's a necessity, you know, like, do you need to say yes, ma'am, to the person that gives you toothpaste or toothbrush or whatever, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like there's, there's just not that much power involved in it. You know, like if it, if it's not coming natural, you shouldn't be doing it. If you have to be that strict, it's just, this isn't a military, it's a kitchen. But it's interesting that you say food shouldn't be that serious. And I see it from that perspective of the seniority and things like that. But yet you're, on the other end, you're saying you're chasing perfection through the service of food. Absolutely. So like, so, but that's the thing is that like you surround yourself by people that want the same thing, you know? So I only, there's, there's ways for my leadership that we, if I hire somebody, it's because I look at them and believe in them. I, when I interview somebody, I talk to them for 45 minutes. Then I ask them about their history for two minutes. I barely pay attention. I tell them to either come or leave that it's that simple. So I invest in people. I look into their eyes and I think like, is this person somebody that I'd want to be on my team if my team was failing? Would this person want to help me succeed through hard times? And that's the number one priority that I have when it comes to like hiring people, okay? And then from there, once you start, uh, and then when I ask them all these questions, I try to get these people to believe into my culture and understand what we're trying to do and why we're different and why they should want to be a part of our team. I've had people say to me, uh, I'll say, how much do you want to start? And they say, $13 an hour. I say, okay, I'll give you $15. i will see you tomorrow. You know, and I, and I overpay people because I'd rather people catch up to the dollar or two less, the dollar or two more than they feel they're worth, than to pay them a dollar or two less than they're worth and they get a dollar or two less of performance. Make sense? You know, so like, I like Of course. That. So. That's a good I, lesson there too. I mean, you're teaching people to value themselves higher. Absolutely. You but know? then. Order step up your game because I value you higher. Yeah. So you know, like or you only, should be reevaluating. So, so like I so to get back to what I was saying, I'm sorry I drift a little bit. That's part of being a chef too. I was just kind of drifting. Sorry. But, Dude, um, you've got all kinds of shit yeah, going on. <laughs> yeah. It's nonstop. <laughs> so when it comes to, when it comes to hiring somebody, the second I hire somebody, I tell myself, I say, it's my job to make this person successful. I throw every resource I have at this person and try my hardest. The only reason I've ever let anybody go from a company that I've ever worked with is there's literally two reasons. One, they've done something that's completely against the law. You know, like you can't be in here grabbing asses or frigging smacking titties or, you know, not in this day and age. No, not doing, you can't, you can't do shit that can put you in jail. Period. That's simple. Okay. So, like, if, if, if you're getting high on the clock, if you're frigging, you know, like just outright ignorant or like, belligerent like you're gone it's just that simple okay and then the other reason and and this is uh a term that we made up and i do not mean this in any type of ignorant way but we call it a certified moron so a certified moron is not like a moron like that dude's a moron it's a moron like i've taught this guy five times every time i teach him he completely comprehends i try to teach him five more times he completely comprehends and he still just doesn't get it so when it gets to the point where i've exhausted every one of my training resources on making this person successful then we will let him go for that reason as well right and that makes sense the certification comes after at least giving them a real shot trying oh we'll waste so many resources you know because we've already invested in the people and also too I've had people that have tried to quit this place after three months of being here that I thought they weren't good enough and I've offered them more money to stay. I don't, I don't, and that's, and even when they suck because I can't let them leave here and put my name on their resume saying, I worked for Chad at the food market and they, and they suck. I don't want my brand to leave this building until I feel that I'm a hundred percent certain that my, that my people that have worked with me can carry on excellence elsewhere. 
So this goes back to something that you were saying before, I think before the mics were live, we were talking about how you basically have built this place mm-hmm. based on everything that you didn't like from every other place you've been in. You know, Absolutely. Like you, you've, you've, so were those places that you worked or is it something that you go and still, you drive around, you try this new place, you travel, you try this new place and you just see things all the time. It's all of everything. So like, I mean, you know, like I, like I said, I reference myself as overweight. I always say I'm short and fat with no neck. If you put me in a friggin' tuxedo shirt and a tie, I feel like a dickhead. How good of a job can I do if I feel like a dickhead? Right. So like, therefore we let people be themselves. So like we have very simple attire. We're like, Hey, wear a black shirt and jeans and, you know, skid resistant shoes and like whatever comes out in that, you know, when you're able to be yourself, you perform better. That's a great blueprint for so many, for, I mean, for so many people, any, anyone who's managing other people, you know, it's, you, you maybe want the uniformity because you have to look a certain way just to be presentable in the place where you are. But at the same time, you want them to be, you've got to be yourself. And that should give you the utmost confidence to then be able to put out the best work. That's why I chose Hamden for our first and hopefully our, you know, our flagship restaurant over the the longevity of my career. But it was because Hamden was was a place where I truly felt that I could be myself. And then being able to be myself allowed my, my surrounding of, you know, people that I work with to be themselves as well. And that was really important to me. It makes sense. Uh, you referenced the, the culture here uh, with respect to the hiring process and introducing you know, those potential people about the culture. What, what is the culture? What's your vision for, for a culture that you'd like to, to you know, introduce here? I mean, honestly, like, a, like our up the par, down the earth. That's our most important thing here. It said that, uh, that no one's territorial, that this is everybody's ship and, you know, like that we all just have to constantly get along and, you know, be the best we can be, work through our issues, brilliant basics. That's another big one for me as well. I just want everything to be the best that you can do. That's, I mean, the culture is that simple to be yourself and be the best that you can be. And if you're anything less than a hundred percent, let me know. That's when, simple. When you think of that vision, what dish comes to mind? What dish comes to mind at the vision? Ugh. You know, if you're talking about, you know, be yourself and do everything that you put into this. So, like, the first dish that really came to my mind in that sense was, um, I, and really, I can't stand cooking pasta for the most part. I feel like even if you add multiple layers of flavor, it still becomes one-dimensional as you eat through the dish. But yeah. um, I, years ago, I did a dish called spaghetti and crab meatballs. It's the first dish that comes to my mind when it comes to, like, kind of expressing myself. Like, kind of like a Baltimore kid that wanted to take, like, something that was you know, familiar, but make it my own. So like, I really feel like I have a knack for making classic my own, like classics my own. Like on the menu now too, we have a dish called French onion rings. It's like a wordplay kind of thing, but that's like, that's like right up my alley. It's just something that you're very familiar with, but done in a way that would make other people think, why didn't I think of that? That's kind of my goal with food. Makes sense. You know, uh, kind of describing the culture before, it, it kind of helps illuminate me just checking out the, the two websites before mm-hmm. coming here. And this is what really stood out in the copy on the website. So this is for where we are now, the food market. Um, and and what stood out, uh, look, uh, the food market focuses on approachable, serious comfort food. Mm-hmm. So approachable. And then, uh, and then La Marqueta, uh, the copy as I pull it up on my phone, uh, where is it? It's, fuck, man, technology, right? Um, again, uh, 
same honest, approachable dining experience, and uh, but there was something more specific. Uh, fun, comforting, and here it is, easily uh, understood. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for. So approachable and easily understood. And that is what I really appreciate about uh, what you do, but also the way that you're trying to express yourself to the public. Uh, because, you know, Matt and Justin, they're into food. They're, quote, foodies. Mm-hmm. I'm not. And so sometimes I could go to a restaurant that is, you know, quote, fine dining and be intimidated uh, or just not really feel like it resonates with me or it's speaking to me. The copy that you chose for both of those websites make me feel welcome and make me feel like I'm going to have an elevated dining experience. So uh, a rule of thumb that I came up with for cooking is I need to please everybody from my grandma to Gordon Ramsay. That's very important to me. And then also, too, is... I'm a Baltimore kid. I've been here my whole life, and I love it to death. But sadly, Baltimore, um, it's it's underpopulated. And the biggest thing missing in between the letters B and E in Baltimore is boutique. So you get too boutique, and then you really hurt your business. Yeah. I, I, I love um, that I feel like the first time I came in here, I felt like you knew, and we didn't meet. And, you know, we didn't meet in person. I felt like you, you knew me in terms of yeah, someone knocking on the door. Come in. Come in. Who is it? Let me go. I'll go answer. Can we answer? answer? I'll answer. What the hell? I got it. So this is actually a good time to let... I don't, I don't think we let everybody know that we're actually in the private kitchen of the food market. Right, which is one of the things that I wanted to ask Chad about. Checking out the website, there's this whole private experience that's offered. Right. Wait, 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 come, come, yeah, talking to the mic. The guy that just, the guy that just walked in the room, his name's Ronnie. He came, I, I met him in a Chipotle five years ago. I liked the way he worked. I gave him my business card. He never called me. Five years later, his cousin, his brother-in-law started working here. I asked him if he had a friend. This guy shows up and he still had my business card in his wallet. Wow. <laughs> Serendipitous. You, right? Um, Pretty amazing, isn't it? I was just going to say that every time I've eaten here, I've just felt like you know me. Uh-huh. Right? That's fucked up. Yeah. In a good way. Absolutely. It's like I look at the menu and it's like, yeah, this is, this is everything I want. I saw on Instagram the other day um, your churro waffle for, uh, at, at Marquetta for mm-hmm. brunch. It's like, yeah, I want chicken and waffles. I don't want chicken and waffles with gravy. Absolutely I want chicken not. and no waffles way. with sweet, exactly. delicious. I Absolutely. want the balance of crunchy, yes. like spicy sweet, chicken spicy, salty. with yeah. a sweet waffle. I never, I never think of it as a dish that comes with gravy. I well, always it, think right, of it as syrup. It, no offense to anybody who makes that shit, but it's disgusting to me. Like a waffle is sweet and light and Absolutely. it's fluffy. And then you get the chicken to balance it. So I haven't had that dish yet and I've been dying to fucking mm. have it. So I got to get in there. But, Point is, there's so many other things on the menu that that on both menus that I look at, and I'm like, this motherfucker understands people. So he, that's he that dish you're talking about, Jante's dish. So Jante is my chef at Marquette. So basically, Jante started at the bottom with me here, and we worked our way to the top together. And then you know we opened Marquette to give him an opportunity to be an executive chef. And uh, I think that that dish you're talking about. Another thing is too is I never ever 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 take credit for something that's not mine, and that dish Fair is enough. not mine. 
Fair enough. But that, but so. either way, but you, what I like is you understand what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Of course, it. definitely. So like we, we need to appeal to everybody, you know, like, and, and that's the business sense to me. So when I was younger and I was a chef, I always kind of cooked what made me happy. And then I realized, you know, like you're not cooking for yourself. You're cooking for other people. If I wanted to, and at the end of the day, like I, like I said earlier, you know, you work to live. And I feel that my, that my earning capabilities are much stronger than me being a uh, struggling chef because I'm trying to please myself. So I found a way to find comfort in the chaos by cooking what other people want, but making it my own. So I fell in love with the style that the people wanted rather than what I wanted to do. And then for there, from there, like, I mean, other than that, I'd be a trial attorney or something. I just make eggs Benedict in my beach house for you. If I just wanted to be, you know, a chef that did my own thing. But at the same time, do you now, with that balance, love the food that you make as well? Would you eat your dishes? I love the food that we do. I really, really do. All the food that we that we cook and prepare, I know it's soul satisfying. It's and there's no doubt in my mind that every dish we do is good. Yeah. Okay. Because it's I food agree. I love to eat. <laughs> it's food I love to eat. That's good. Yeah. And you know what's what? Another thing, real quick that that's cool is. You know, in Baltimore, there's a pretty good foodie scene. Absolutely, you know, there, there's there's the um, there, there's the there's the people that kind of made have made names themselves as local foodies, mm-hmm. and you're friends with all of them. Absolutely, and they know what's up, and that's yeah. you know, it, you kind of get that badge of honor when you get some of these guys that you know with their Instagram pages, you know, the slay the menus, Andrew, um, mm-hmm. Brian, Stander, you get you know, Beach, all these guys that know their shit and they love what you're doing absolutely so you know uh like i said i mean that's the business side of me is 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 cooking for the people that want to buy food yeah wouldn't that play into just elevating your game because i mean you said this before like if if uh you were playing whatever kind of game against someone else it's like you know you might want to figure out how to keep redoing that just so that you can maybe be the best as well but it's like you could learn from all these people around you if they're all your peers it's like if you could hang out like elevate your game by hanging out with all those around you who are who are elevated, you know, in their field, the same field that you're in. Wouldn't that make sense? Because then it would just help you to elevate oh, what absolutely. you're doing. Absolutely, definitely, definitely. That's true. For sure. I'm curious. We've now had uh, multiple chefs and, and restaurant owners on chocolate croissants uh, all through Matt. So, so take me to when you guys first met each other. I mean, Matt, do you just go out and eat, and then you fall in love with the place and a dish, and you just asked to talk to the chef typically i mean yeah but i don't even remember when we met the i first think i time. remember when i met you so uh i remember it was early on in the early days at um i think it was a marquetta when i met you the first time and uh i think i i knew of you but i remember andrew finkelstein was at the restaurant and he was like there's a super famous drummer at the bar right now make sure everything's <laughs> awesome for him and i said look man if he was on heroin i'm gonna make it awesome for him i don't care who it is i want everybody to eat like a king you know that's so and important I, and, and i appreciate your sentiment on that because i shouldn't be treated any different than anybody else no, we're all humans you know yeah. like absolutely I just want I a good every, meal. to me everybody with with the money to afford their menu item that they're choosing is on a pedestal. It doesn't matter who it is. That's simple. Absolutely. You know, there's no yeah. favoritism in food. Yeah, and I and I don't know if it was um I don't I, I don't remember the specific day, but yes, I remember 
Was that the night that we took a picture? It was me, you, and John. Yeah, they asked me that they 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 asked you to take a photo with the supposed on Instagram. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, so yeah. Trying to get our business going. Yeah, right. thank you. Yeah, um, definitely. Sure, <laughs> anytime. I don't know if I helped at all, yeah, but no. but um, they asked you to post a picture on Instagram. That's yeah, and do. then and then you know it's just like I I find places that I like and I stick to it because. I don't. I won't go to these. I won't go to any of these restaurants that I love and just get the one thing on the menu. If I love the restaurant and I love the culture, I like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try all the food because I like food and I want to try different tastes. And that's fun. That's the most fun thing in the world to me. Definitely. So you know, I think that like kind of the the piggyback on what you're saying. And we have a lot of a lot of guests that constantly come to our restaurant that believe in our culture and so. And I think that. I think really when with food, you know, you find that one dish that you love and then you find faith in the restaurant. Then you start trusting the restaurant and then like kind of like whatever they put on the menu, like you're willing to try it. Like I wouldn't walk into a restaurant for the first time and order the venison unless I knew it was a restaurant with a chef that was like world renowned. I wouldn't just walk into anywhere and eat like that. Right. Yeah. The longer, but the longer, the, the longer you have a relationship, a successful relationship with the restaurant is the more that the chef can get away with. I mean, I think at this one, if I put kangaroo in the menu, people would eat it. And I've seen you take some some risks with certain things that are new like that. It's not mm-hmm. kangaroo, but I've seen some things. I'm like, oh damn, like he's doing that. It sounds awesome. I'm gonna try it. Absolutely. You know. And then I do have my favorites. So that's when I get a little like that's like when my pen gets heavy and like I just kind of get sick of all like of my same style. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna introduce something totally new. And mm-hmm. then then I start taking like crazy risks and doing different things. I love that though, and you should. If you have a platform to do it, and you have a ton of people that, even if they if they tried something new and they didn't like it, that's not going to stop them from coming back. Well, that's the only fear I have, though, is as the first time diner trying to get too adventurous with the restaurant. I think the first time you dine in the restaurant, you should always just get something that you kind of know you're going to like and see how well they do it. Whether if it's just a simple burger or fried chicken or a Caesar salad, like you go to a restaurant and get a good Caesar salad, chances are you can try other things. If they can't, if they can't master the pot roast or the Caesar salad, don't even look at the. That's don't, funny. You know, don't look at the elk. The venison. I yeah. think the, the yeah. first. Right. right. No, no, of just, course. Of don't course. Even look the first. At the elk. No, and, and I like how. You, what, do you, what do you call it? The boring, the boring Caesar, Caesar salad. Right. Because yeah. I mean, like, if you if you can't mess up a few ingredients, I guess it all comes down to your dressing. Absolutely. Right? And like, if you can't. And or the quality your, or your of crouton, lettuce. The quality right? lettuce. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it, it comes, comes out, out like, a lot more than that. Of course. Of course. So you have to like, you have this this blank canvas and you have to actually paint it the way you need to paint it. But you can bring out, I mean, the same ingredients as everyone else. Absolutely. But just put you know, have your twist on it. I'm going to tell you the things that I started with in both restaurants. Okay. that sold me so at marquetta i started with the wedge salad okay. which i'm like i'm a huge bomb, fan of wedge right? salad. it's, it's so good the, I, i'm yeah. yet to have a better wedge salad yeah, good. and i get one oftentimes many places i go mm. i was just down in um in ocean city and i went to liquid assets which is a great i don't know if you've been there no. great great spot they have a wedge salad and um, yours is the benchmark that it I'm is, comparing it, it to. I swear, it is. I can imagine. But thank you. So, so we're a benchmark restaurant. A lot of people do say that it's your bacon. Yeah, the way we do the bacon. And the, I it's mean, cool, the, right? I, and I've heard like whispers about like there's a special way you do your bacon. I don't know if you want. Oh, to, yeah. You don't have to share that, no. but I've heard you know, mm-hmm. I, and which is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, I tried the beef short rib saltado, mm-hmm. which the first time I had it was just like, yep, this is badass. Now I can venture out, and I think I got like the. Um, the be more taco the Baltimore tacos mm-hmm. is that the, like Baltimore the club tacos, Baltimore club, yeah. club tacos. Uh-huh. first time I was here I had the burger 
because okay. that's like the safe I'm yeah, a burger guy yeah, absolutely. I needed to try it it was definitely. awesome and then I tried the it was like a fried chicken dish mm-hmm. I tried that it was awesome so it was enough to be like okay now I can get adventurous now I can get adventurous absolutely right. that's, that's definitely how we try to go it's nice to have that because I can uh, representing it as a foodie it's tough you go to a bunch of different places and you end up spending a lot of money going to try a good meal. And when you're disappointed, it's like, oh, come on. Or if the hype train is derailed, if someone says, like, if Matt tells me, hey, you got to go check out the spot and I go and whatever I get is just like not up to it. Then I start to get disappointed when I'm thinking like my fiance and I, we want to go out we want to go get a good dinner somewhere. And we're like, oh, fuck, we can't think of anywhere. So you go back to the tried, you know, like the classics, right? And it's like, we always want to find this new spot. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, because we haven't been here before, that this, you know, will be, you know, yeah, I like the idea. Start with the classic, start with the burger, the wedge salad, something, Caesar salad. And and then then you do want to come back because you trust the chef and you trust the vision to keep coming back. With restaurants too, is that, and I, and I really had to stop myself from doing this, is that you're, I don't think you should even think about your opinion of a restaurant that you had for dinner until the next day when you wake up. It's how the restaurant is in hindsight that lets you know how good the restaurant really is. For sure. Because it's easy to walk up like, oh, that was great. But then you think about it like you're with two people you haven't seen in forever that you love to death. I mean, you could have eaten anything. Yeah, the experience can it great. make it. But right. like when you sit down the next morning and over coffee and you think like, oh, that tuna tartare, well, it wasn't as good as I thought. Like It wasn't as good now thinking about it as, as it was last night. I yeah. think that's what makes a difference. Yeah. Well, speaking about hindsight, uh, I mean, years later, I still tell people, uh, the food market is the best cream of crab soup I've ever had. I can imagine. I don't know if that's a regular thing you guys do or not. It is. It is. So the cream of crab is actually one of the first recipes I ever wrote. I wrote that really early on. And um, and when I wrote that recipe years ago, and I, I brought that through three or four restaurants as of now, but um, I can honestly say it's uh, it really speaks well to who I am because I've really always tried to avoid doing dead on classics. And the reason is, is because I don't like the idea of people always comparing like the cream of crab is great here, but it's better at wherever, you know. It, so I try to I try to take that element away from the consumer to where they can't just outright apples to apples compare me. But, you know, but then I was working for a restaurant that um, that was like, let's do cream of crab. And I was like, you know what, I'll try it. And then I remember I was talking to this like redneck dude one day and he told me about his secret ingredient in cream of crab soup. And I was like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay. And I tried it and I love it. So it's, it's another one of those things that like a lot of things in life, I'm a big uh, fan of doing things backwards. So the way that we actually even make that soup is totally different the way that any classic cream of crab is made. Did you think of that one ingredient the way that your mom would try to throw that one ingredient in and just not, fuck it all Not up? as intense because it, it, made, it made more sense than the way my mother cooked. It just sure. didn't seem to make sense. It seemed like almost like gross to me. I'll tell you the secret ingredient. It's clam juice. But mm. you know, the thing is, is with the clam juice, it creates an oceanic flavor. So it's just something when you think of clam juice yeah, by saltiness. itself, it sounds gross. Right? Like if like you're sitting outside talking to some dude about cream of crab. He's like, I'll put clam juice. And I'm like, ooh, that's disgusting. But I felt like when I made cream of crab, I was like, it's just missing something. And, and it just really creates that oceanic flavor. But mm-hmm. also, too, it is a secret ingredient because it's shellfish. So if it's shellfish in shellfish, you don't have to mention it because all your allergies are protected. So you're not like allergic to clam, but not shrimp. Or right, it's shellfish. So like right, you're right, okay. Right. In the reverse engineering of that, then do you just watch the salt content of how much salt you're, you know, Actual yeah, salt so, or sea salt so you're the adding to that, the dish. The way that that soup is made, so what we do is we coat a, a bottom of a pan with honey to start, which is unreal for any type of soup in the first place. I mean, 
we coat the bottom of the pan with honey, and then we add clam juice, uh, white pepper, bay leaf, thyme, shallot, water, and sherry. And we bring it to a boil, let it reduce by half, and then we, then we strain it into a roux, which is a mixture of flour and butter, thicken it up, and then we add three different types of milk-based products, bring it all the way up, hit it with a splash of Worcestershire, a little bit of lemon, and then we basically mount it with butter. And that's basically it. Mm. Does that burn the honey and just give a sweetness well, to it? Uh, well, it doesn't really burn it because it's cooking in liquid the whole time, but it's just like the amount is by eye when it covers the bottom of a certain size mm. pan. Right, right. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so, but like the sweetness just really plays to the cream and the sherry. Right, and saltiness. You know, the saltiness. Yeah, yeah of course. Absolutely. That. People love it. People love it. It's like, yeah. I mean, people really take it out of here. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's remarkable that I, I just, that just has always come to mind and it just, kind of floored me when I had it and anytime like legit anytime anyone mentions cream of crab or if I go somewhere else and eat it I'd be like yo this place the food market I you had so now that you know that now that you know that clams in there does that bother you because you're not a food not at all no, so no now okay, like cool. that I know the story and and even the fact that it's something it was one of your first and you've kind of mm-hmm. iterated it in different places like now I'm emotionally attached to the story and I'm yeah. even more interested to have an experience so with an, it another thing that like for food to me is that when I think of food, every ingredient that I use, I want to find that flavor when I when I chase it with my palate. So like when I eat the cream of crab soup, I can identify the notes of honey or the note of white pepper, the note of butter, so on and so forth. And every time I that I cook something and I'm looking for those ingredients, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um the chick on um what was it? Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when she's like roast beef and she gets fat. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, now it tastes like blueberry. Now it tastes like blueberry. Yeah, so like that's how I want all yeah. my food to be. Where violet. like every every ingredient is like that fat chick in that show. Yeah, you're turning violet. Violet. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that that I swear I'm not kidding. Like every every time I use ingredients, I picture how would that girl react to my food. Right. That's a great visual. You know what else um, that I that I pretty cool, absolutely right? love? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean it's like an orchestra in your mouth, and you're trying to pick out every little nuance to it. Exactly. I love what you guys do for birthdays at the Marquetta. That uh, fucking cup of cake. Yeah, the celebration with ice cream. cake. Yeah, definitely. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So that's a it's a fun Fetty cake. So we just thought you know being like you know the you know 80s and 90s children like fun Fetty was like a big deal then, and you know a lot of um, our our target audience are the people from 35 to say 50. You know, that's the target audience of restaurants. So, um, and obviously everybody's welcome, but that's the age where people tend to start like kind of like having a little bit more disposable income and they kind of, you know, they want to be out and about and they don't mind the noise of a restaurant. And, you know, all the stuff that goes along with, you know, modern restaurants and fun Fetty was just a way to just let people know that we're celebrating with them. It's awesome. It's so good too. I, like You'll every time, to every time I go to Marquette, I come with somebody and I make sure that it's their birthday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just yeah. for that, dessert. I mean, I'll pay for it. Yeah, no, that's care. all good. Yeah, definitely. that dessert is so good. Yeah, um, it's Jordan's birthday, by the way. <laughs> so, did you have something? Well, you know what? It just this is kind of going back to when you were talking about the, I guess the culture here, and, and I was referencing the copy on the website, but. Uh, it's starting to make a bit more sense to me, but I'm interested. Just the name, the food market, like that's a fucking bold choice because mm-hmm. it is very general and, and it can allow others to really project their own uh, kind of perception or, or yeah, what people it may might be. think it's a food market. Sure. So, yeah. So five and a half years later, people still think I own a grocery store. It's crazy. <laughs> so 
When you're shopping real estate for a restaurant, at the time I had a business partner, and when we were talking about the different locations, we were calling this place the food market because it was a grocery store previously. And then when we wanted to name the business, it seemed like it already had his name. It's just like in the middle of this interview, if I told you my name was Mike now, you would, it would be awkward, right? So we would, this, place, this place became the food market before it was even, you know, even ready to you know, sign the papers that it was ours. You I know, think it's just also calling it the food market, really. It's also kind of nice to have a name like that because then you don't feel pigeonholed into a specific dish or a specific cuisine or a specific area in the world to have to stick to that. And when I do look at the menu, for me, it's almost overwhelming because I'm like, man, you got to keep up with all of these different items. And yes, yeah, some get overlapped and get used in, mm-hmm. into another dish. But it, it is a lot to, uh, I guess, curate and make sure that you have all of these on hand and that they're all fresh and they're ready to go. But it is kind of nice to have that name, the food market, because then I think that allows you to paint with a blank canvas. Absolutely. And I really always try to do that. I, I'm, I'm never a fan of cornering myself. It's, it's very important to have wiggle room in life. What's on the, uh, the, the table, so to speak, right now that you're kind of tinkering with? What, something that maybe you're messing with, a new item, anything that you're uh, working on, a new dish? Any kind of new um, ingredient you're I'm playing constantly, with? Constantly, constantly, constantly working on new dishes, and um, I think a lot of times, like the more distant I am from daily operations, is the more I think about food. So, like, it's kind of like that's probably the hardest part of my life, to be honest with you. Is that you know I, I've I've been a laborer my whole life, and now I finally have the you know the freedom to kind of be able to oversee things and so on. And when I it's almost like a depression when you start thinking about like, I don't have to do anything today. So it makes you just want to do so much for your companies. So I'll just like sit in my house and I'll just write idea after idea after idea. I mean, I have a locked note in my phone and it's just, it just scrolls. It's just tons of stuff. But I guess like a new item that comes to my mind, like lately I've been working in Marquetta a lot in the daytime, but I've, I've come with a lot of great ideas for Marquetta. But one of them is a, uh, like slab bacon fajitas. I can't wait to cook this dish. So it's like like thick sliced bacon as fajitas with like peppers and onions and all the fixings. Matt's like, losing on. his how, shit over how here. How awesome is that? You know, it's such yeah. a, I mean, I know it's bacon. Bacon's somewhat cheating, but at the same rate, I mean, like uh, that's such a great it's idea. It's all how you do it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all so, how you do it. You, yeah. I'm telling you, you do your bacon different than I've ever had it. Absolutely. I mean, so it, we're good with bacon. That's definitely yes, one of you our are key ingredients. Bacon. Yep. That's true, yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm curious. Uh, you have multiple restaurants. Uh, you said over a hundred people you're working with and managing in, in some way, uh, and and even you know, your phone's kind of going off. People are walking in and and out of here. Uh, how how do you take care of yourself so you can take on that responsibility? Or is it being in the fire of all of this? Is that what gives you the energy? I mean survival of the fittest you know like when you start you know adding assets to your life you need to protect them you know like in the and the um the farther you the more you grow is the more you got to go you got to keep it up you just got to stay hustling and then it really to me it's very important to to bring other people with me so i just i constantly am constantly grooming people to be the best that they can be and really it's it's all about teamwork and just you know, um, inspecting what you expect. That's another big one. So it's cool. Just one, you're highly quotable. I love the idea that you're trying to, you know, empower other people, level others up. Uh, who inspires you? And, and because it seems like you just have, 
great metaphors or just great lines and, and models about management and leadership and life in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have mentors? Do you, do you read or follow anyone kind of in, in I mean, those I lanes? I honestly wish, I mean, I, I'm ashamed to say that I do not read enough. I should definitely read more. Um, the I think that... Um, I guess uh, that's kind of a tough question for me because I really try to live my life with horse, horse blinders on. So I think for myself, you know, I, I get inspiration from the craziest places and the weirdest places. And like yesterday, I, I left a, uh, a dentist appointment, and when I walked out, I seen a dude with a um, like a really tall dude, and he had a World War II hat on. And I could have just walked out the door, but I decided to sit down and and add my appointments to my phone there rather than in my car like I normally would have, and I just start talking to this dude. And he told me he was 98 years old. And, and like, I mean, he became a, an inspiration. You know, like, I'm like, here's this dude, 98 years old, that's sitting in a waiting room in a dental office with a World War II hat on. It just makes me feel like I'm not shit. You know, so it's just like, that's like my inspiration. I'm like, I'm my own mentor in so many ways. And then having, having people around me that want more, they're my mentors. People that have less than me are more mentors to me than people that have more than me, like, in the vision of what I want to become. It's just... Because I just feel like a provider. I just want to carry people. I want to do things. I, I, it's it's just so odd. I guess. I mean, it, I really. I guess I can't even pinpoint that question. But I do have some people like. Eh, I might want to start this one over. <laughs> so, but um, let me think about that. What was the question? Just, who who inspires you? Are there people you pay attention to that? That uh, you know, honest, yeah. Let me get back into so, or what yeah. inspires you? So maybe you know, that's honestly, a better way. Like, like ins- I'm, I'm very, very, very inspired by free time. I'm inspired by being able to do what I want whenever I want to do. Um, a lot of times, people say, "What are you doing?" My my go to answer is whatever the hell I want. You know, like it's just a joke. But like, it, I've always lived for freedom. I, I'm just chasing freedom. I'm just really looking to be able to just be able to make all of my own decisions and to be able to, you know, pay my own consequences and reap my own rewards. And really that's, that's the most inspiring thing to me is like having the opportunity to just be more to my family and to be more to the people around me. But then there's other people in my life that I look at from a distance and I just see like things they have. And I guess to some degree, some possessions. I think hip hop music probably hurt me and helped me in so many ways. The chase of just like getting things and wanting things and, you know, having, you know, all the good stuff in life, I guess. I think that's a lot of it. A lot of it's honestly is hip hop music. I feel like hip hop music made me hungry. Just like in rap music. It's just like, it's all this stuff that you shouldn't want nothing to do with for the most part. It just, you know, just makes you interested. What are you currently listening to? Well, right now I'm all over the place because I just downloaded, um, or I just got the uh, the YouTube Music app. So like it's everything from like old Jay Z to the Talking Heads to you know to Baltimore club music. I'm literally all over the place right now. So when we were talking before, <clears throat> kind of to change uh, direction here a little bit, you were saying that the entrepreneurial side was just something that you took on. Mm-hmm. straight up like yep. it wasn't something that you really were doing before um when did that happen and what was that course for you you know the the becoming the owner becoming the one who is responsible for keeping the doors open for getting the freedom that you so badly are chasing mm-hmm. i think that um 
What's the question? Just the question is how, I mean, if, if you had never done anything as you, I think you even said it to me when we walked downstairs, when I came, when I first got here, you're like, you know, like self-made basically never been an entrepreneur before. Mm-hmm. This is it. Mm-hmm. How did you learn that? I've kind of never been afraid to take a risk. I mean, like, I, you know, it's a, a little slogan that we say in the kitchen is get rich or die frying. You know, it's like, it's kind of like the, um, it's kind of like, like a football career. You know, you start second string, you get a couple of years where you're like highlight success and then you go back to the bench, you know, and if you're not the owner, you're going to end up back on the bench. And I just, I've always wanted to avoid the bench. I just, mm-hmm. I want to be playing. If I'm going to be in the game, I want to play. So how did you learn the ins and outs of running the business? So, to be honest with you, it's the same thing as balancing your checkbook at home. It's no different. It's just dollar in, dollar out. Whatever's left over is yours. It's that that simple. But I mean, it's uh, I really feel like I'm really, really good at the the finances of the company and like making it profitable and just keeping things in line and so on. But I think it's I mean, honestly, most of my most of everything about me is just natural instinct. I mean, I I hate to make it that simple, but it's it's the truth. It's like this is like the life that chooses you. I don't think it's something that you can't just go out and just figure out how to do. It's well, I think you found your calling. Yeah, exactly. It's weird because I did everything backwards in life. I I was an executive chef at a restaurant before I went to culinary school. I had a kid before I went to college. I, I had a kid before I was a chef. I was a chef before I went to culinary school and I bought a house before I graduated college. So like I've, I, I've never did anything in the right order. And I was 22 when all that started. So like, being a cook, being a cook was, um, I never really even felt the need to be a chef, to be honest with you. And, and it was until I had a child on the way that I felt the need to like go to culinary school. And it was like one of these things I always just fought to be the best in class. So, like no matter what I was doing, if I would have, if I would have, you know, been a landscaper, I would have made sure that friggin' all the mulch was in a straight line. If I was a trash man, the lids would have been on the cans. It's just about being thorough, whatever you do. With all this hustle mentality, how do you decide when to take a break, and how is it possible then to just be chilling, you know, and like want that freedom? Um, I I don't think it's I don't I don't think the, I, a, a little joke I always say is you rest when you retire. So I just I just keep it going every day, and then I almost treat my life or my my responsibility like like how your cell phone charges. So I wake up in the morning, I'm 100%, I'm ready to rock. Like the second I'm ready to get up, I'm up. I'm, there's, I get up, I make my bed, you know, I, I do my whole nine yards, everything's taken care of, everybody's good, make breakfast for the kids, whatever it takes. Um, I always start my day strong, and then by the time I even walk out of my house, it's like 98%, you know, it's just like the cell phone battery. And then, but um, you said that to me when we were talking the other day. You're like, "Can we do this early? Like, that's when I'm. That's when my battery yeah, is yeah, charged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I shine in the morning. Like, I'm a morning person. And then, what the, percentage are you at right now of your battery? Uh, right now, I'm probably at sixty percent, maybe a little less. Probably fifty percent. Do you ever recharge in the middle of the day? Yeah. So midday coffees. That's important to me too. Yeah. So Got we it. do the midday coffee, and then we just kind of like play around. Seventy two percent break. Yeah, just get back up a little bit, you know. But um, and then by the time I walk in my house. Once I'm under fifty, you're dead to me. It's like you're you're just dead. You know, it's under fifty. It's like you just need a charge. You're not you're not the best you can be. And then uh, by the time I get to my home, it's kind of like, like I'll walk and ask my wife, I want to talk. I'm like, yeah, wait till the morning. You know, just because I've already let all of my responsibility go for the day. By the time I get in my house, I'm kind of like done with my cell phone. I'm done with my responsibilities for the day, and I'm kind of just over everything. So I guess that's my free time. So it's always like not a race, but like it's not like a race to get there, but 
my goal is to get to the end of my responsibilities every day so I get that freedom. Do you look at it at life as a thing where maybe you will work your ass off super hard every single day, drain the battery until you're say 60, 65, and then you'll just want to just say, cash it all in. I just want to chill. I'm good. I've done it all. I've hustled hard for 40 years now. Let me just do my own thing and just chill. Um, I, I mean, I, I think most people would say they would do that, but I think that most people that are like me will probably hustle to the end. I think that's like, I, you know, I always wanted to be the owner. Now I want to be the investor. When I'm the investor, I want to be the bank. It's just never going to stop. I see that. Yeah. Jordan and I, our dad, our dad is very much that way. Every time he tried to retire in his sixties, he would just get involved in something. He'd be go, you know, he'd go shopping every day, buy 200 ties. He never wears a tie. He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, and so then doing... he goes right back to work. But I look yeah. at like my fiance who works 12, 12 hour shifts at the hospital. And she's like, like, no, I want to enjoy my life. Like, I'm going to work my ass off. And when, it, when I hit, like, that retirement age, boom, like, I'm going to go do other shit well, with yeah, my but life. That, but, that's, but, that's, but it's different. that's a hired mentality. So, of like, course. from an entrepreneur mentality, mentality you, everything needs to become a residual income. I mean, I'm trying to create residual. I want it to become money okay. that makes itself. Right. Of course, you wanna, of course. You want to go to sleep at night and wake up and have more money than Knowing you did before that you went there. to bed. Exactly. And continue to create more and more opportunities and to empower people to create things that you can be a part of. And I can, I mean, I think we all can relate to that with our own individual endeavors. Um, but that's what drives me every day. Not, not the financial part, just the ability to create something new that helps people that then comes back and around, uh, allows me to do more. To yeah. Help well, more I'm, people, for right? the most part, the, the finances are just the, like the, the, the money part of it is just the reward to risk and effort. It's not like anything else to it. It's not like I need no. this money, you know, right. I'm not out here trying to get this money or sure. anything crazy, you know, but at the same rate, um, I think that, uh, the biggest, like a, like a big thing in, in life is that with money, with the money from a business, the, one of the biggest things I've learned from the money side is that it, this is good or bad, but it's, once you create your own gold, you got to protect your gold, right? So like, if you don't have any gold, you just live without gold and you just kind of live, you know? But like, once you create gold, yeah. you have to find out more ways to get gold so you can protect the gold you have. Right. Once you have gold, you don't want to live without gold. Right. Oh, no, you I don't. mean, right yeah. or wrong, you know, it's... No, you don't want to go back down. Exactly. You don't want to slide back exactly. down. Exactly. But so another thing that I wanted to mention, because this is something that seems like you just started doing, at least to my knowledge, um, these bigger events like you had the um taco palooza yeah. taco palooza which was ch uh charity benefit right yeah and then the smoke, smoke show smoke show yeah um can you talk a little bit about the philosophy behind that is that just the part of you that wants to give and give and give mm -hmm. and create a good so i experience? do a ton a ton of charity work that's something cool. that i really like to do and i feel like um that's my way of advertising is getting out and talking to people face to face it's like a picture in a magazine never does anything for me so when you're at these events, you're forcing yourself to be out there with the people and you're forced to like create these relationships. I hate to use the word force, but like I said, I'm a morning person. If we did breakfast events, I'd be everybody's best <laughs> friend in the world. So you make an event at their five o'clock. It's like, you need to keep your energy high to get out there to be with people. And I think that like the event thing to me is more or less about um, sense of community. I love community. I think just having people out and about together and just having a good time is just very important to me. That's cool. That's great. Um, what are what are some of the things that you have on the horizon as far as that side of things go? So this year we're going to be doing Taco Palooza again. 
which is going to be bigger and better than ever, which is pretty awesome. And um, are you doing it in the same same at, at same thing? So it's going to be yes, yeah, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be July third. So every year, as of now, we're going to continuously do it on the third of July. We feel like the fourth of July is more of like a family day, so the third's like a chance to get out and kind of you know have a break. And then a lot of people have said to me it's a bad time to have a. a have an event because so many people leave out of town. I completely disagree. I think everybody that stays home is dying for something to do oh, and yeah. you don't Smart. come away. So but it was bumping last year. Absolutely. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was great. I was talking to you. Yeah. I, like, I couldn't even get there, but I was talking to you. You're like, we'll figure it out. I'll get you in the back just door. Come. Like, just yeah, come. Yeah, just yeah. come. Yeah, for real. Like, yeah. it's, it was so... I had people that were coming up to like the, the gate and saying, I'll give you $1,000 for four tickets. And, a, and four tickets only cost $200. Like they were like willing to like do anything to get into the event. That's awesome. That's um, great. Speaking of community, okay. So we have our own community as well through the podcast. It's 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 um, a group on Facebook. For anyone that's listening who's not familiar, it's facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Uh, for every episode, we announce who the guest is going to be prior, and then we take questions. So there's a couple questions that came in um, from our community for you. Specifically, so I want to read at least one of them now, because um, there's there's two main ones that I think really stand out. Okay. Um, so from Joe Hamilton, who is a, a good buddy of all of ours, uh, who actually works with us on the podcast, he does a lot of our audio editing and so forth. Um, he asked, um, so obviously a lot of restaurants exist, which means a lot of competition. Do you ever put a conscious effort and time into working out how to set yourself apart, or? Do you just trust that being true to yourself and your art will be enough to rise above the rest? I I believe that if 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 you view anyone to be more competition that you feel that you are to yourself, you're not cut out to be an entrepreneur. It's that simple. So I mean competition is not even something I even talk about. Well, and that's interesting because we've had chef Neil Hal We've had Josh White, Chef Josh White from Smoke. Smoke. Yep. And these are people that you've worked with now, right? Like we're friends. We're and, they're, friends. and they're friends. And you could look at that and say, oh, they're, they're competition. And no, it's like. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. The tide rises everybody, all ships, you know. Absolutely. And I love. And it's funny. These are the three probably most eaten at restaurants for me in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Like the three. And that's probably why, you know, I why reached out to, to you guys on? to mm-hmm. come on. But it's awesome that you guys are also friends and do shit together. Yeah, they're my boys. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's absolutely. just, it's, it's so great to Definitely. see that, that, that sense of community I there mean, too. I hear people talk about competition all the time. I mean, yeah, there's competition and people are, I mean, it, it is a real thing and there's plenty of people out there, but you just have to be better than the worst. You have to be above the average. And it, it's, it's, I mean, if you don't feel that you want to be that already naturally, you shouldn't even be involved. And I'm sure you see those two guys in particular, and obviously there's many others, but you see those two guys hustling their asses off in their Absolutely. small kitchens, definitely creating shit that's continuously badass. I don't know True. if you've had Josh's chicken salad yet, but you should go have Josh's yeah, chicken absolutely. salad. I've His heard. chicken salad sandwich is ridiculous. I've heard. I've had some stuff that Neil's been cooking up recently that's just out of this world. We went there. Um, when Finn was here? When, when Finn was telling me how good... I mean, it's Something simple. Was. Yeah, like Finn, a, like a Finn, Finn went quinoa and got salad. The, the quinoa bowl. Yeah, quinoa bowl. For breakfast. Have you had that over there? That's what I got when I went with you. Yeah, that's what it's you got awesome. too. Yeah, I mean, so it's just, I don't know. I love that, I love art. I think food is my favorite kind of art. Absolutely. Because you really, it's not, 
you get to look at it. Well, it hits on every sense. You get to double dip, absolutely. You right. get everything you want. You get to keep going it. back absolutely. to it. Absolutely. You can keep right. going back to the well, which is nice. Yeah. Yep. To, it doesn't run dry. And yeah. it's kind of nice to think of the three chefs you're speaking of that everybody has their own thing going on. Well, yeah. And you know, because like, like one thing with food, like I was saying, everything needs to be soul satisfying. I try to make my portions to where when you eat the last bite, you wish there was one more. That's that's not a thing that's like really important yeah. to me with food too. So like you have to chase that love for your food. That's smart because mm-hmm. it keeps them coming you know, for back. Time afterwards, you know, exactly. like oh shit, I wanted one more bite. Well, cool, I'm coming yeah, back. Exactly. You know, I'll be back in three exactly. days. I need that one more yeah. bite. Yep. So there's two more things I, I really want to touch on, and then if there's anything else you want to dig into, and you guys as well. But there's two two things. Uh, so one, as I was mentioning, um, I actually got a hold of your book. I read through it myself, which I thought was great that there were stories mm-hmm. behind it. You really showcased um, the staff. I mean, you can oh, see that that like it, it's not just about you. Or or Jante, it's it's about everybody, everybody. who is involved, which True. is which is beautiful. Um, but I gifted it to my girlfriend's father for Christmas because he's a chef. He is all about family. He's all about telling stories, and he absolutely loved it. Um, and I think people should know that you have a cookbook out there that is more than just simple recipes. Um, is there, have you done some press on that or is there specifically anything you want to say about it? Yeah. So the, the, the cookbook just came basically from an Instagram post that I I posted this picture of a manifesto that I wrote and a woman reached out to me and said, you should write a cookbook. And I think every chef always says they're going to write a cookbook one day. And I, I believe in doing everything I say I'm going to do. And the opportunity was there. So I just jumped on it right away. And I worked with a woman that helped me organize the book and, after opening Marquetta, I actually wrote that book within the first year of opening Marquetta. So look, long story short, I move into a brand new house after living in the same house for 13 years. Six days later, I opened Marquetta. Three months later, I wrote a book. So which is like anybody in the restaurant business would say you're crazy for even moving and opening a restaurant at the same time is kind of like impossible. Yeah. You know, but I then, remember you telling me that, I think. Yeah. I remember, and, then, yeah. and then the book was like, the book, I felt like I owed the food market something because I was at Marquetta so much that I just felt not like distant from food market, but I just felt like there was just something I wanted to give it. Like when I came back, when I felt like I was free enough to come back to the food market, I wanted to come bearing gifts. And like writing the book was kind of the way that it was like, it was like being away on a travel. You know, you come home from the family, you want to give them something. Sure. That's kind of like what the book was. It was like, it was giving, giving the food market my soul. Where can people get the book who aren't local? So as of right now, I decided I'm not going to print anymore. I sold 1,000 copies in less than four weeks. Oh, and shit. I'm wow. Done. I'm done. So impressive. I'm done. Sold them all myself. That's incredible. So that's your old school hip-hop hustle yes, mentality. Yes, at the back right? of the car. It was, right. like, yes. it was $40, right? 30 30 Yeah. 30. Even so, so I sold, yeah, 30 grand worth of them. It's fucking awesome. So that's good, yeah, in less than, less than four weeks. But um, I had people, I published it myself. I did everything myself. The book yeah. was 100% made in Maryland. Okay? So like, glad I got a copy. It was printed in Hagerstown. Now you don't have any more? He doesn't have, he's not, I mean, unless you I have, print, I have unless like 20 you, copy stash. I'll okay. give you one. Okay. Well, no, but, I mean, I got, I mean, I got <laughs> You it. have yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're good the, then. The yeah, good ones good need one. Yeah, so, so, but the reason, but the thing is, I thought that, you know, when, when I would talk to publishers, they would, they, they just want to give you so little. And I was like, you know, my audience is larger than, my local audience will be able to recuperate at a lot faster rate than what they're trying to do. But I do have some plans for down the road because I really enjoy the process of writing a book. And um, I think it's cool to 
to kind of like be like an author to some degree, you know, it's just kind of fun. It's just another layer to like, to what I'm doing with myself. But my goal was to actually take a lot of the food markets content out of the book, add another hundred recipes to it, a little more content about myself as a chef and about my companies and so on. And then at that point, give it to a publisher and then make it a national release. Yeah. Okay. But like well, this was this that that book was by me for Baltimore for the people that know me. It wasn't for it wasn't for some dude sitting in another state. You know, like that was that was that that that's a soul book. It's like it's a heart book. That's great. Well, let us know when you do go to that next step because we want to talk about it. Yeah, sure. of course. When when you release a book like that and you're thinking of of a national release, what chefs does doing something of that trajectory remind you of? Are there chefs that celebrity chefs or chefs who are famous that you've followed their trajectory? Or you just enjoy what they do, and you, maybe releasing that puts you somewhat around the, the say Mount Rushmore of chefs. Um, I mean, I hate to say this because I really like. I'm more inspired by people that I communicate with directly. Like, I'm not. I'm not really a a big fan style person. So, mm-hmm. like, even like for Instagram, like I like. A lot of people follow me. A lot of people that follow me that I know that I don't follow back because I don't really know them in depth. Like I like I only want to be involved with people that I feel like I really know. And then like until we have a relationship that's organic and natural, then I start caring about like the depths of thing. And I swear, like five years ago, if you would have asked me a question about anything other than food, you would have thought I was a moron. Like honestly, I knew nothing about anything. My brother told me when I was younger, he said, man, just do one thing, learn everything about it and be the best you can at it. And I took it literally, you know? So, I mean, I wouldn't even have known who the friggin' mayor was in the city. Like, that's how distant I was from the world. It was just me and food. That's smart. Learn (laughs) learn something so, get so good at something before you do something else. Absolutely. I didn't want to be, I've never wanted to be a jack of all trades or like kind of know a little bit about everything. That's never been my thing. So like, I just always wanted to just be, the best that I could be at what I do. That that was so much more important. It's so interesting hearing that because that is some somewhat of what I was thinking when I looked at the menu. If 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 it really was just you and there wasn't this whole team of chefs curating and putting together these recipes, honing them and making sure that every time they go out, they're up to a certain standard and all this other stuff that goes into it. I would think, man, that's like what a jack of all trades. But it's like people do really love that specialist, that master of something. But then then when you work with people, you get them on the same page as you. So, I I mean, I can go upstairs and say to my chef right now, apples, Chinese, tuna, Cajun, pickles. They just bang it out, yeah. You know, sweet potato. And he's like, okay, spring roll. Apples, they have the vocabulary. Yeah, you, you know, have the like vocabulary for it. Each other, you of know? course, you yeah. have to start to get the, you know, you exactly. develop that by practicing. And it. the sound of food is so important to me. I love the sound of food. I feel like people always say you eat with your eyes. That, I don't think that's true. I think you eat with your vision, like before it even gets to your eyes. Like, like when you read the menu, like the way that it sounds when you read the menu right. is the first step of how it's really going to be. It's not. Right. It's not when you see the food. You're not standing there. It's not like it's like a conveyor belt letting all the dishes pass you to grab it. It's right. the way you read. You read it right. So, right. and and my goal is to just read fun and and to where it sounds really good, but I want to deliver great. And I think that really plays into the copy that Jordan was speaking of so that anyone who comes in here, even if you have no idea about food and how to balance a dish and all these other things that go into it, if you read it and it jumps off the page, then you're probably Absolutely. in the right place. I, it's funny because as you were saying that, I was thinking like the literal sound of food and I was thinking like you must have been a Rice Krispies kid. <laughs> yeah, the literal sound of food. Not as literal, but like 
Uh, just like wordplay, I guess you could say. Of course, letting it jump off the page, literally jump off the page for yeah. people so they know what they're getting into when they read it on the menu. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to round this out. I got three questions. Okay. All right. First <laughs> one gonna is... going to be another 30 minutes. On. I think one question to ask at okay. the end of these interviews to everybody, like, do you think you're good at this shit? And then you're supposed to say, if you're any good at talking on the microphone. That's what, that should be a question. Do you think do you're you feel good? like you're good at this? No, I suck. No, you are. You're, you are good at this. You are, you're really good at this. Okay. I'm all over the place. Right, I suck gonna, at this. We're gonna do a quick one. What? Speaking of cereal, what's your favorite cereal? Food is mood. Okay. So right this second, if you were a cereal, what cereal are you? The first cereal that comes to my mind right now, I want a bowl of O's. Okay. I want golden or, grams. Yeah, like but like but tomorrow you might want fruity pebbles. Right? Toast but crunch. right this second, That's Jordan. What I'm saying so food is mood. You can't ask that question. Jordan, okay. what, what's not what's your, okay? What's your cereal it. mood? Well, I think many in the Facebook group saw my empty bowl of Golden Grams from last night. Oh, ah, maybe but that's like, why. Oh, I'm there's times Golden I'm on grape nuts. Like I feel like an old man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's like it could be anything. Okay, the right, the saltiness right, right. of the bread sitting here is making me go towards the cinnamon. Let's stay here real quick, real, real quick. <laughs> Sorry. So when I no, that's okay. When I eat, when I eat my Golden Grams, I like eating it out of a solo cup, like a red solo cup. Mm-hmm. I like putting in the cereal first, pouring in whole milk, and I soak it for like five minutes. I have a friend that does that, man. You people are nuts. I'm telling you. Like, yeah. I don't understand that. That seems crazy to me. I, see, I think to a chef, my you, you friend, can't say like, there's like you're friend. just throwing the texture out the window. Hold on, yeah. no, 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 I'm no, no, thinking no. like I want my crunch factor. No, I, want, if, if my I, cereal want, cereal I want my soggy, milk ice cold. I want to be able to drink the milk at the end. It's so cold. I eat cereal. No, but listen, like, listen, listen, listen. Like I want to eat. I want to eat. Yes. It's a competition. I want to eat a bite of this many golden grams in Mush. one bite oh yeah matt's making like a c that it's not yeah, really that big of, big of a no, bite no, so no, you okay. can't see right. this next question is um is there a favorite ra- fruit is mood i know this but like is there a favorite chef that stands out to you or someone that you would love to cook for in particular a chef chef friend business person uh Whatever. Is there anyone that you're like, man, if this person walked in, I would be fucking stoked to cook for them. Jordan. Actually, Justin, because he's never eaten here before. That's crazy to me. That's a good Honestly, answer. Honestly, not coming here is like never going to Walmart before. It's okay. crazy. Like, so this you place wanna, is so like seeing people. So you want to so you want to cook for the person who's never been here before? I want to yes, and I want to cook for the people that constantly come back. I like my favorite person to cook for is like when when like a 95 year old person says to you, "This is the best fish I've ever had." Like you know they've eaten a shit ton of fish. Like so like that's the compliments to me like when okay. people say it's the best but really you know like like i said like i i i treat everybody the same it's like everybody to me is unique every every man's a king every yeah. woman's a queen well say no more you i know? think you i think you said it perfectly it's the person who hasn't eaten your food before is yeah. the one you want to cook for okay last question is what's next so what's next is they'll just find locations that I feel that work. I mean, honestly, I feel like other markets need a food market, like, you know, just other places. I feel like a food market's the kind of place to go work anywhere. That's the business sense to me says to open a food market in other in other places. I do have this big idea that I'm kind of working on. I've kind of came up with a way to kind of make catering almost like an Airbnb or an Uber. So that's something that I'm a little focused on right now as well. That's a big thing. If that, if that works out in my favor, that could go national really quick. Cool. I love that. I'd like to hear more about that uh-huh. whenever you're ready to talk about it. can't do that yet on the... No, 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 no. All good. Whenever. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, give you, I'll give you one, one an easier last one. If it, you know the show Beat Bobby Flay? Mm-hmm. Where you get to pick your dish if you win whatever the mystery round is. What would be your dish? You would compete. You would take up against anyone and tell them this is the best. Jordan told you cream of crab soup. Fuck He's yeah. never Fuck beat yeah. me. Is he going to beat me? No way. He's not beating me. 
All right. I like it. Sounds, I like, a good a, place. sounds like a challenge, but yep. you're not going to waste your time with that, are you? Not at all. I don't think so. Nope. All right. Well, this was awesome. I really enjoyed getting to know you more, hearing about what makes you tick. Um, Thanks you know, for hosting us. This of course. Is, this anytime. is the yeah. 42nd episode and the first time we've done it on location somewhere. I could talk all day. So, you know, like, I mean, I would love to uh, have an opportunity to be more direct and, you know, kind of like hone out some of the stuff we talked about today as well. Sure. Cool. Yeah. And I know you're being, you know, humble or whatnot, but you were a wonderful guest and I'll tell you why. Beyond the fact that your story is inspirational and, and like I said earlier, you... Uh, you do have a way with words and the imagery and, and just kind of these different models you have for life are very inspiring. But you, from the moment that I shook your hand, you just feel like yourself. Absolutely. You feel true. And like, that's all we could ever ask for. Absolutely. I, I definitely like, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to be, you know, the top of my food chain is so I could, so I could let other people around me be themselves as well. So like, and I guess to just to comment on what you said, I remember years ago, even as a kid, I'd look at photos of my dad or like somebody when they were younger. I'm like, when did he become this like nerdy looking guy? I was like, I guess we had to dress like that every day for work. Like you become that. I mean, at one point I was, I cooked so much. If I would have went to court for murder trial, I wouldn't, I'd wear my chef coat. Cause that's how I felt the most comfortable, mm. you know, but like, but being able to show up as myself every day is allows me to be myself. And then, to really to top it off in in my line of work, you grow older in responsibility, but not in personality, which is really, really, really a blessing to be able to live like you're long, young, but on the front end, but on the back end, protect yourself like you're, you know, maturing at the rate you're supposed to. Yeah, I love that. Well, fuck yeah. Good shit, man. That was a Thank great. Thank you guys. That's, yeah, that's, man, really, really we, solid. I don't think we need much of a closer there. We're gonna we're gonna tag on a outro to this separately. Okay. Um, I think. Unless well, I want to say real quick because you know we always uh, mention the Facebook group one last time in the outro, uh, and I just want to uh, mention Brianna Ingram from New Jersey. Uh, we kind of answered a lot of the questions that she had. Uh, already, but she did mention that I guess she lives in New Jersey, but she's been to the food market before and loved it. Uh, so it, it's just really cool to see how uh, we have this community digitally, but yet we're having uh, the guests and creating content and this the way they think these things connect. Uh, to me, it's just really inspiring. Um, so if you're not a part of the group just yet, facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that's where you can subscribe to this podcast. Uh, that way, it downloads uh, if you're connected to Wi-Fi every late Sunday night, early Monday morning. So when you take that commute to work or you're in the gym or the shower, wherever you may be, you don't have to use your data. Uh, also at iTunes, that's where you can rate and leave a review for Chocolate Croissants. That helps us a lot. Uh, we want to thank Road Microphones uh, for sponsoring episode 42. We want to thank you one more time, Chef Chad Goss. Uh, yes, thank you, my man. Yeah, you were wonderful. It was fun. Um, thank you. And and you, there's a lot of value. I mean, if we kind of like went through the the 90 minutes we just recorded, uh, just as far as 15 second audio snippets, uh, three minute stories. I mean, there's a gold mine which you shared with thousands of people uh, all over the world over the past hour and a half. So well done on that, and thank, thank you. you. Yeah, this is one of my favorites for sure. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I agree yep. with that. Cool. Well, thank you guys. I could talk all day. Cool. So we're so going to we'll eat now? We'll, we'll do it again. It.
Cool. Yeah, let's, it's let's time see. to eat. Let's eat. We'll Thank document you. some of this stuff so people yeah. can see what they're doing. Yeah. If you're if you're in the Baltimore area, you're not from here, and you want to feel like home, I suggest you come visit Dr. Chad over here. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All yeah. right. So everyone paying attention to this again, we're always grateful for your attention. We love you for the support. Episode forty-three is next week, but we will see you in the Facebook group later today. And until then, eat a lot of chocolate croissants. Bye bye. <laughs>